you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy Hellman. i am so intimidated i am so nervous guys guess what i'm doing tomorrow i'm going to an eight million dollar mansion in greenwich connecticut And I'm going not as an interior designer because I think I'd feel pretty good about that, even though I might feel a little nervous. I think that's one of the most expensive places I've ever worked on. I don't know. I'm not working on this place, though. Uh, But $8 million. I worked with a billionaire. That was $5.4 million. I'm sure I've been in an $8 million before. I'm sure. But it's just not coming to mind. Uh, Maybe the palace in India. I don't know if it'd be $8 million. Anyway, okay. Uh, Back on track. Tomorrow even worse than it being a client, even worse than it just being, you know, an auction where I'm picking something up because you know I still love my online auctions, guys. It is a party for my husband because his work, there's this guy who invited him to this party. Okay, fine. That would be intimidating enough going to a party for a guy who happens to have a house that's worth $8 million. But it's a theme party. It's Havana Nights, right? And first of all, I had to Google that because what does a Havana night look like? I've never been to Cuba and I haven't been out of Old Navy clothes since before the pandemic. I haven't worn heels since before the pandemic. And now I'm as big as a house. So even if I had worn heels, even if I did have outfits that were perfect for this very tropical, floral, bright, over-the-top theme, I would not fit into them. And I cannot hang with millionaires, maybe billionaires, in Old Navy. I'm so intimidated, guys. And there's so much anxiety and I don't know. (laughs) But it's probably the fanciest party I've ever been to in my whole life. So I'm going to lean in. It's going to be fun. My husband is out last-minute shopping for his Havana Nights thing right now. I ordered some things online and I'm just praying one of them fits when I get home. But the pressure, 
But the exciting thing is that in my premium member podcast, I'll be sharing all about what their house looked like, giving you a sneak peek inside the party because I will definitely be there to schmooze and mingle and to support my husband, but I will really be there to check out the decor because I looked at this place online and not only is it like worth $8 million, there's a pool, a veranda, like, oh my God, colonnades for days. But it's also historic and famous. So I just can't wait. I'm clamoring to get in there. And even if nobody talks to me, I'll sit in the corner with my sparkling grape juice and I will check everything out and report back. So that's going to be on one of my premium episodes. If you're not a premium member, what are you doing? That's where I'm going to talk about Paris. That's where I'm going to be talking about this party. And I'm going to be dishing it all in a series of four bonus episodes that are coming out at the beginning of July. You don't want to miss it. But that also means that you have time to become a premium member for as little as $5.99 a month uh, or $29, I think, for six months, you can join and get access to nearly a hundred bonus episodes, including the four I'm going to be recording about the party and about Paris. And um, yeah, there's so many more episodes, so much great content. But the thing that's really heartwarming about our premium membership is that those people help to keep us on the air. All that money goes directly to supporting the podcast, goes directly to paying for the production of this podcast, paying for the platform that we broadcast this on, all those things that add up, paying for our amazing producer and social media manager to put this on YouTube, to make everything look and sound spectacular. I mean, that ain't free, people. And so your support really does help to keep us on the air, and I truly appreciate you. If you've been wanting to become a premium member, but you just haven't pulled the trigger, or if now you can't wait to hear what happens on my Havana night, <laughs> you'll want to head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Once again, that's affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. There's a button. You just click it and you say become a premium member and you can choose how long you'd love to help supporting us. You'll get monthly content. You'll get access to this series that I'm creating and you'll put a smile on my face because every time somebody signs up, I get a little email saying you have a new subscriber and I open it up and I just smile and it warms my heart. So thanks to you all who are already premium members and to those who aren't, it's affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Okay. Well, the other good thing about becoming a premium member, by the way, is it has its own mailbag. So I dig in there quite frequently and your letters get answered more quickly. That's another good thing to know. All right. But without further ado, I'm going to get to some letters that have been in my mailbag for a little while and keep them coming, guys. I love getting your questions. I love seeing what you're working on. It's the same webpage, affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. There's a little portal for people who are just regular listeners and a little portal for people who are premium members. And just select the one that you want to use and I will answer it on air. Because the other thing is the premium membership has a slightly smaller listenership. So if it's a question that feels more personal, private, I don't know. It's kind of where I share my more personal, private feelings because I can kind of go there with client experiences and things, knowing that it's not just available to everyone. All right. Ashley has written me 
Ashley has written me all the way from Michigan and she writes, Hi, Betsy. My husband and I bought our forever home a few years ago. It was a new build, but completely planned by the builder. We did not paint when we first moved in because everything was new and it was freshly painted. But now I am so sick of the beige on beige on beige. Our carpet is beige, our walls are beige, and the ceiling is also painted the same beige as the walls. We still have yet to put a deck on our house. Hopefully it gets done next summer. But once that is done, I am ready to start redecorating and bringing in some real color into this space. I am wondering about our living room and kitchen. We have an open design. One flows right into the other, only separated by a half wall. The kitchen has a white subway tile backsplash, a black, white, and gray speckled countertop, and cherry tone cabinets. The living room is beige with dark gray, almost blue looking at times furniture, which is a large couch and an oversized chair. I'm wondering how to bring color into both spaces and keep them cohesive. We've thought about painting, but some walls are also running down a stairway and downstairs. The house is a bi-level. Painting these walls would be a major job, and we still haven't been in the house all that long, so the paint is not really in bad condition. I'm also wondering about the area behind our sofa. We have a long living room, and our sofa is not up against the back wall because that would be ridiculous for watching TV on the opposite wall. What can I do with all this wasted space? We have thought about a credenza or a sofa table, but I just don't know. Lastly, my style phrase is sophisticated, calm, contemporary. I don't know if that's channeled here at all or if my style word is incorrect. Please let me know your thoughts and thank you. All right. Well, Ashley, we have quite a few questions in here. So let me dig right in. Looking at your pictures, I'm going to start with the last questions and kind of work my way forward. Looking at your pictures, you know, the space does look fairly contemporary, but I think your choices are actually more transitional. Yeah, I think you might be a little transitional. And transitional, as we know, is a blend of contemporary mixed with traditional. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because the light fixtures are kind of curved and because you have a rolled arm sofa, it's not a full roll, but it's getting there. And also you have like chunkier moldings around the windows. But then you do have some elements of like industrial or even rustic, kind of have this farmhouse style TV stand that has these sliding barn doors to conceal the implements as well as a wooden top that's probably like a rustic style wood, but the actual piece itself is a white or an off-white. And then the coffee table is also a rustic style wood, but it has a bronze base. Hmm. Hmm. I'm feeling like you're transitional. I don't feel you're 100% contemporary, but I could see you using the term contemporary and that would work too. That would work too. Because I'm not seeing too much ornate detail. Your pictures are quite contemporary in the fact that they're framed very simply on simple ledges, not too much color, black and white. That stark contrast is making me feel that it's a little bit more of this day versus yesteryear. So yeah, I'm going to let you have this one. I think it is contemporary. And calm. You know, calm is 
different for each person. And I think that this is calm in the fact that it is so subdued color-wise, right? As you mentioned, it's beige on beige on beige, and that's feeling very calm. Now, when you're adding in color, you're going to want to be thinking about calm colors, right? Because um, if you add anything loud, I think it's going to kind of detract from that calmness. You may want to think about being somewhat monochromatic and adding like different shades of a blue. But typically, when we think calm, we think cool colors, or we could go for like very muted tones. But I would avoid like jewel tones. I would avoid anything too bright or vibrant if we're sticking with that calm, which is a word I really like for this space. And I think it really embodies it right now with all the beige. Now let's get into it. Uh, in terms of the paint, I agree with you that it is a lot of this color. And I also agree with you that this is a problem because it's open concept. It's open concept, so all the rooms bleed into each other and it goes down the stairs and it would just be a ton to paint. And also, you know, what color would you actually choose? And because your style could lend itself to transitional, I really don't want you to do an accent wall or an accident wall. First of all, I never really like it when people paint one wall as different from all the others. That's never really my jam because it looks like you ran out of paint or it looks like it should be done in a really contemporary space like an urban loft or something like that. I just don't think it fits here. I would keep the beige paint. The thing that's disappointing for me is that because the living room is carpeted and the carpeting appears to be pretty plush, you're not going to be able to lay an area rug on top of it. That area rug really could have served as your inspiration piece for the room and really could have driven a color palette. Now, you also have an opportunity to do a big inspiration piece for the room with your windows. You could do on the slider, you could do drapes that have a pattern and color. So that would be very helpful because it's like colorful art. Speaking of, let me just go back to your question here because, you know, when I was reading this and then when I opened the pictures, I had two different experiences. I imagined that the area behind your sofa would be really vast and that it would look more ridiculous than it does. I imagine that behind the sofa to the wall is between four and four and a half feet. I don't think it's all that deep back there. So trying to do anything more than a sofa table, I think would be too much and would actually kind of gum up the works in terms of walkways. Now I would measure to make sure that your sofa is a good distance from the TV. You know, you take the place from where your booty sits to the screen of the TV, you divide that in two in terms of inches. So let's just say from where your booty was to where the screen is, it's 140 inches. That's not what it is, but I'm just saying. You divide that by two, it's 70, and that's the size of your TV. This TV is probably 55, I would imagine, just eyeing this picture. So that means you want 110 inches from the front of the screen to where your booty sits on the couch. So make sure that your couch is truly in the right spot because if you have less than three feet behind this couch, I don't want you to do a sofa table. Now, I do think a sofa table would be great because the one thing that you have a lot of in here are plants. And these plants are not 
distributed nicely around the room. They are tucked in corners right next to the windows. And I totally get it. Believe me, I listened to Maria Faea from Growing Joy when she was on our podcast. And if you don't listen to her podcast, you certainly should. Growing Joy with Maria. Uh, But anyway, the plants need light. I totally get that, even though I don't really have a green thumb. But I think they would be better placed if they were dispersed on different surfaces. So some plant stands, some on the sofa table, maybe even a couple on these floating shelves where you've got the artwork. Speaking of artwork, that's another great place where you can bring in some soft color. As I mentioned earlier, these are all black and white, and it feels kind of stark and severe, which I don't mind. But you're telling me that's the problem, that this room is kind of blah and doesn't have a lot of vibrancy or color and it's a problem you're trying to solve. And if you're really wanting to solve it, I would switch out some of this art for some colorful art that's in subdued tones. Uh, I also think your pillows are really random mishmash. We've got like a camel leather pillow. We've got this kind of green flocked pillow that's an emerald color. We've got these goldenrod lumbar pillows. We've got an ivory throw blanket with a filigree pattern in beige. I mean, we're a little all over the place with this color palette considering I do not see an inspiration piece in this room because there's really nothing with multiple colors. And then opening it up into the Eden kitchen, you may want to consider a rug under the dining table or something or a rug in that kitchen area because right now it is so neutral over there. And you've already heard my recommendation that you don't paint. Um, You do have leaning art above the cabinets. Good luck dusting that. But I think a rug would really help to add some color in a nice way because the backsplash is so neutral as well being that creamy subway tile. So there are a few ideas for you, Ashley. I think you're on the right track. I just want you to check those things that I mentioned. And yes, you know, in these pictures, your sofas don't really read gray. They do read more of like a steely blue. So I love incorporating those blues because it is calming. It's a cool color after all, but we want to kind of make that random color make sense in the space. And right now it's the only color in the space. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. 
All right, let's get to my next question. My next question comes all the way from Encitas, California. And Mark is writing in. He writes, Betsy, I'm in search for replacement shutters for the exterior of my bungalow. I discovered a website called architecturaldepot.com. They have really interesting materials like crown moldings, medallions, 3D wall panels, faux beams, fretwork, slat wall kits, columns, and really just all sorts of decorative things I've never heard of and mostly can't spell. I'm particularly drawn to the woodwork applied to the walls. I don't hear you talk about any of these types of changes. Is that because they're not affordable, you don't like them, or maybe it just really doesn't fall into interior design? I'm curious on your opinions. I'm just a curious dude trying to learn a bit. I love your podcast. Well, Mark, thanks for being curious. Thanks for writing in. Yes, I do have strong opinions. So first of all, a lot of people were applying shiplap or two by fours to their walls in either an accent wall treatment or all over because that was all the rage back with Chip and Joanna Gaines and even at the tail end or maybe the beginning of that modern farmhouse movement, right? With like Studio McGee, et cetera. I worry that that's super trendy. I worry that it's here today, gone tomorrow. I do like it in a seaside cottage. I do like it in certain applications. And in other applications, I think it's contrived, oppositional to the architecture and trendy. And so that's why I was never a fan of shiplap. I knew it would have its moment and its moment is already done gone, done gone. All right. Now, a lot of people right now, just tons and tons of people, find themselves with big walls that go up like three stories or um, different things like that. And they want to do architectural moldings as features rather than artwork or something like that. So they are putting trim in rectangular formations and squares. They are using the two by fours to create grids, right? That's very popular right now called board and batten. There's a lot of this and it is the new shiplap. I'm just telling you right now, it's going to look somewhat dated soon. And people are trying to give these kind of empty, blank, contemporary spaces that sometimes weren't well thought out by architects and sometimes are just kind of sterile because they do lack interior architecture detailing. Um, they're just trying to give it some personality. And I see the issue, right? Uh, especially of a lover of historic homes because I intrinsically have a ton of ornate woodwork and a ton of, you know, architectural interest. And that's why I sought out a house like this versus artificially imposing it onto sort of a blank canvas. That being said, sometimes I like it and sometimes I don't. And the bottom line is I answer the questions that come in. I don't think in all these years I've ever skipped a question or not answered one. I mean, you guys can challenge me. Um, I'm sure somebody will write something inappropriate or weird one day, but they've all been quite appropriate and I've been eager to answer them all. Uh, so it's not that I'm avoiding talking about these things. It's that I don't personally love them. So I don't just bring them up on my own. And then people just aren't asking me about them. But you are asking me about them. And this is how I feel. I really hate it when people add random medallions or fretwork. Uh, sometimes I hate it when they add beams, if it feels like it's not congruous with the architecture. 
uh, adding columns, especially to an interior of a room that doesn't need support, uh, just kind of changes the flow in terms of a floor plan and doesn't add much visually, in my opinion. It just limits us in terms of furniture placement. I do, however... This is the one thing where I'm going to put asterisks and have a caveat. I do think that there are spaces that really benefit from crown molding. I do think crown molding is one of those things that you can put in a more transitional type space or even certainly traditional type space, and it can just bring the room to life and make it sing. That being said, a lot of people try and slap this stuff up on a very contemporary home with straight lines and doesn't look organic to the architecture, even though it better aligns with their particular style. But when people buy a house, when people are looking for a house, I warn that, you know, this is another person, quote unquote, living in your home. And the architecture gets a say in the style that you should bring to the spaces. And should it dominate the room? Absolutely not. If I let the architecture dominate the room in my home, I would only be working with antiques. But I'm going to honor it by folding in some antiques, things I've never had an appreciation for in the past, nor have I ever purchased for my home, while folding it in with something I'm quite familiar with and have a deep love for, which is mid-century modern. And by layering those two pieces throughout, I'm placating my desire to have mid-century modern, and I'm honoring the house's personality by leaning into those more ornate old world items. It's complicated, Mark, and so it's not an across-the-board no, but those are my real feelings on everything you mentioned. Guys, do you want to hear my real feelings on something you're thinking about? It's so easy. Just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast and send your question in today. I'll be right back with you next week answering more burning questions. If you are curious like Mark, let me know. Until then, bye. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MDCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com.
If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.